Hi. Hi. Um, I can talk until someone <laughs> else comes on. <laughs> um, you you name so yourself. Busy. You name yourself after a spice a lot. I noticed. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know what it is. Zoom changed the. Um, I guess however you do the naming, so it won't mm. let me change it unless I go back and like update my profile. Um, mm. So it's like you have to log out, change it, and then log back in. I don't got time yeah, for that. Stinks. Okay. Well, that's um, good information anyway. Yeah, so I just, like, kept it as whatever it was before. Plus, like, who doesn't want to be a Spice Girl? I love them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's up? uh, So I can talk until, like, someone else comes on. Um, uh, So job updates. Um, We fired the horridly unprofessional lead MA, so things are at least, like, peaceful in clinic, if not super disorganized. Um... And then, um, you already know my group filed for bankruptcy. Um, yeah. but I've been told by the practice manager twice, and there was a meeting with the lawyers that, um, it may go to like chapter seven sooner rather than later. So I've amped up my job search process. Um, so there's like a very good chance I'll have to get out very quickly. Um, can you fill me in on I- chapter seven? Is that bankruptcy? Well, chapter 11 is like bankruptcy with reorganization. Chapter seven is uh, like you're done, you're out of business. Um, oh, okay. Why? Yeah. Okay. Why um, seven and not 11? Well, so it depends what the bankruptcy judge says. If they don't believe that you're doing enough or you have enough coming in um, or you're sticking to your budget to approve 11, they'll just mm-hmm. tur- shut down the business. Um, okay. So maybe that's better for you from a optics standpoint, because you have no control over them shutting down. Yes. Although I would really like to have another job in hand before that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so like starting last week, I started like amping up my job search in town. Um, and quite frankly, I'm just so tired. This is going to be like the fourth time in five years I'm looking for a job again, mostly out of my control. So basically yeah. 2022 was like the only year I was not job hunting um, since graduating from my first fellowship. And I'm just, I'm just so tired of that. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about that process because I know I need to do it. It's a necessity. Um, but you know, it's the whole like, trying to sell yourself again and negotiate again and like do paperwork again. I'm like, well, you have to, but I just, I'm just so tired of it. Yeah. So just a quick plug for our friend and colleague, Amy Vertries, who used to be one of the, she was a founding member of room one and the comedy. And then she, um, she split off and started her own company and and, which she had already had actually prior to us starting this thing called boss business of surgery. She just wrote a book and I actually just had a really lovely conversation with her earlier this afternoon. And she uh, is a great resource when it comes to this sort of navigation, just FYI. Um, So just having some support through all of that is, I think, help alleviate some of that exhaustion. Um, yeah, um, she actually just had, I think, a, a webinar last night on oh, leaving good. your job. And so the replay is sitting in my email. Yay. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, selfishly, I think it would be kind of cool to, at when when you kind of have landed and you um, 
you know, the dust has settled and you're well-established and blah, 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 blah. Your story is uh, unique to you, obviously, but it's, it's a string of events that seem unusual to happen to one person, but certainly like one of those four job changes, a, a gazillion people could identify with one of the four. And if you ever felt so inclined or comfortable, if you would want to either um, anonymously or publicly just share your story, because I, I don't think people understand, like even on room one, I don't think people understand like exactly what you've already gone through. <laughs> the shit storm that has already happened. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really yeah. interesting. And, and for people who feel disempowered to hear the, some of the stuff that you've had to go through before this, because this has been, I think the most, um, the most visible for us, but I've known you for a long, long time. And um, I know that there's more. So that's a selfish request (laughs) on behalf of women surgeons everywhere, because I think your story has a lot of meaning the whole thing. So just yeah, no, I'd, put that so out I'd definitely there. be happy. No, I'd definitely be happy to share when it's all said and done. I will just yeah. say the big summary is don't ignore the red flags. I ignored them. The economy wasn't good when I signed for this job. And like, here we are. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's bad when the lawyers in town don't know what to do with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So catch us up to speed on the board though. Have you any closure on, on what is going to happen for boards? No. So I actually was supposed to have a meeting with them a few weeks ago, but I canceled it because, um, I, there was too many balls up in the air and I know that anytime I've approached them, they need something definitive. Um, cause I had actually talked to them in April and said, what if my group goes bankrupt? And they said, that's a what if mm-hmm. contact us if that happens. Um, and they said, okay. if that happens, maybe we can like, you know, let you sit for the board despite the credentialing deadline and stuff like that. Um, so anytime I've talked to them, if you bring up something theoretical, they can't help you. But if you say okay. this has happened or this is actively happening, mm-hmm. then they can do something. Um, so that's why my plan is to hopefully have a job offer in hand and then mm-hmm. say, this is what's going on. Can I leave my current job and take my patients with me and still sit? Yeah, I think I think that's really smart. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um so you're like stacking the meeting in your favor? I'm trying because again, it's like I've met with them twice, like this year and last year. And every time it's theoretical, it's, well, we can't help you until it actually happens. Well, what happen- happens if that event does happen? Well, we can't tell you until it actually does and you reach out to us then. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then did you reach your minimum number of cases? Yes. Last week. Hallelujah. I know. Thank goodness. <laughs> So do you have a plan to take some time off then? Um, well, I don't have like extensive time planned, although maybe I should. Um, so I talked to the practice manager today. He's like, oh, I don't know if you're getting paid on Friday. And I was like, why, why do I keep working? Um, but I do think I decided that, you know, in addition to Labor Day, that maybe I should take, you know, like another day here and there off around a weekend in August. Um, 
because I am quite tired. That's what I'm talking about. So now we're circling back to the original conundrum, which is being exhausted. It's not a conundrum. It's just a thing. It's a physiologic state of being, which I think given the circumstances of the group going under and not getting paid, then why would you work? Right. Um, And some of it is, I don't know if it's like feeling bad or this, but um, interestingly, I think I told you they kept harassing me about my contract and PTO Mm -hmm. and saying they couldn't get an offer until they had my contract and they have an offer and I never gave them my contract. So I kind of knew that was BS. Mm -hmm. Um, And after talking with the attorneys on Friday, I mean, they basically said they're like, once the group files for bankruptcy, you'll get a percentage of what you're owed, but you'll never get the full thing back. So I was like, well, Uh if you're never, ever going to pay me what you owe me, then what are we doing? Yeah. And like a percentage that could be 1% or 90%. So yeah. Um, amount matters. I know I have their total liabilities and even though they owe me a lot, it's like a fraction of what they owe everybody else. So I'll be lucky mm-hmm. if I get like $500 at the end of the day. Okay. So back to the question at hand is like, why keep working if you're not getting paid? Um, yeah, I just don't know if they're going to try to use the PTO thing again to, so like say they don't pay me this Friday. Right. And then I take a week off in August. I don't know if they would use that. Oh, you don't have any more PTO left to like purposely not pay me again. Cause basically what happened with that old paycheck is instead of saying, Hey, we went bankrupt. We don't have the money to pay you. They were trying to say you didn't have, I didn't have PTO. Um, so I just Mm -hmm. don't know if they will use that as an excuse to, not pay me like when they could. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. And I guess those are questions for the lawyer. But um, I guess the other thing I, I imagine they're not taking new patients if things are about to oh. end. Oh, well, I forgot to say the other thing. Um, Not only is a junior partner leaving, but the other employed physician is leaving. So it's going to leave me and the um senior partner who's mental faculties I don't necessarily trust, especially when it comes to um, financial decision-making. So the group's already lost a ton of patients um, because they're going to follow the other doctors. Um, I thought I'd take over like one of their practices, but his uh, patients are following him Mm -hmm. Um, and like the volume's down and there's not a ton of new patients. I'm not even that busy anymore. Oh, Um, so that's a good point. I could, yeah, I mean, I'm not as busy, but um, we also don't have the staff for the patients we do have. So it's taking like just as long to um, to see like, you know, what today I think I saw like 60% of what I normally see and it still took just as long to see them all because um, we're also losing like 90% of our staff. Yeah. What this reminds me of is when somebody is dying and their organs are shutting down and all mm. the systems are starting to fail and everything takes longer, right? Like your kidneys are going to take longer to filter and they're not working. And I'm, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. So I'm talking about kidneys as if I know what they do. But, <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? Have you ever watched yes. somebody go through that process, like in the ICU where, where everything is just slowly dying. And that's kind of the picture that I get from what you're describing. And so that, um, that just hits the nail on the head. I didn't know what to call it, but like, that's exactly what it is. Everything is dying. 
Yeah. So um, I guess maybe then a little bit of a shift in like how to amputate yourself from it so you don't die with it. Yeah. Um, so obviously trying to prioritize like getting out of work um, on time, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't do today because I was preparing for cases tomorrow. Um, but I mean, that was productive, I guess. Um, you know, if if I'm on voluntary call and the ER calls me and it's around the weekend, as it usually tends to be, and it's not a case that counts for my boards, I've been asking them to call one of the other surgeons Um you know, if they're not available, I can help out, but there's four of us and usually there's like someone else that can help. So I've done that. So I don't have to like come in on a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very good about packing my own healthy lunch every single day. So at least I can get nutrients. Um, and then, you know, I think some of it, it just involves not only being tired from the job, but being tired about trying to find a new job. So last mm-hmm. night, I had dinner with another surgeon in town who there's like a need at his hospital, but they're not moving very quickly. So that led to like another late night. But then before that I had like a phone interview with another job. Um, and I just woke up this morning feeling so exhausted because it was such a hectic evening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think any free time I've gained by <laughs> refusing to work, um, it's quickly being filled up by new job stuff, which isn't a bad thing, right? It's like good if yeah. people want to talk to me, but it's exhausting when it turns into a late night. Yeah. So this is reminding me of another analogy and I don't know if any of this stuff is helpful, but hopefully it is. Um, you know, when people are deployed in the military, they just sort of have to handle whatever comes at them. Yeah. Knowing that it's temporary. Yeah, I think the same is true for us, right? When we're like going through something like you're going through or going through, say, a whole bunch of calls in a row or it's like a feast or famine sort of situation. And during the times when there's the famine, I mean, we're bored. And then during the times when it's a feast, it's like, oh, shit, like I can't keep my head above water. And um, what you're doing particularly around prioritizing like the basic human needs I think are going to be really really important the low-hanging fruit so to speak like nutrition hydration and just trying to prioritize your sleep yes um doing better about it not great (laughs) but definitely trying to do better um because I've started developing headaches since this all started and um, I never get headaches and I know this is like 100% stress induced. And I'm like, well, if I could sleep and maybe not have a headache, then maybe the workday won't seem so bad or something. Um, yeah, let me plug non-sleep deep rest. This is so cool. It's called non-sleep deep rest or yoga nidra. So this Mm, is for anybody who's having a hard time getting restful sleep. You can kind of trick your brain and body into, the same benefits of getting restful sleep by doing yoga nidra or non-sleep deep rest. And it's basically like anywhere from a 10 to 20 minute uh, guided meditation. They're for free on YouTube. You can just type in NSDR or yoga nidra. And it's best done, I believe in the afternoon or evening, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. And then in a, in a quiet room where you can at least be recumbent um, so it's supposed to take you into the, the brain waves that happen when you're in the most restorative 
phase of sleep. So that might be something to consider too, if you're not really getting the, you know, disease at night and for anybody else who struggles with getting enough rest. Um, yeah, um, I do think you've mentioned that before. Cause it sounds very familiar. Um, I'm a very good sleeper. I just don't get enough hours. Um, because I'm like usually up late doing something like exercising or wasting time or whatever. Yeah. Um, I will say <laughs> a thing that's not helping with the sleep and this is good news mm-hmm. is I'm finally dating somebody I actually like, but it's long distance. But then mm-hmm. that means like the weekends are kind of busy with this, mm-hmm. um, which means now I'm trying to cram everything in to the weekdays, um, which it's like good that I'm dating somebody that I like, but it's like somewhat adding to the stress with the timing and everything. Yeah. Of what's going on. So it sounds like you have some decisions to make and some things that you just have to decide to prioritize. Right. And I mean, that's kind of like the name of the game anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I think you're right. Um, In the sense where you're like, well, why are you still working? Why aren't you taking a vacation? Why are you still showing up to work? Maybe I should take some more days off. Yeah. I, you know what it is, is that, uh, I haven't, I didn't get a chance to ask the lawyers this. Um, and of course the senior partner jumped in very quickly during this conversation and asked if I'm even allowed to be asking them these questions as an employee and an owner. And the lawyer said, yes, she can ask because she's asking as part of the group. So that didn't sit well with me that, Hey, it's only me left and you're still trying to exclude me. Um, but what I don't know is how long the group can survive, like, the bankruptcy process, um, before, you know, while trying to get somebody to buy us. Yeah. So I'm also concerned that, you know, this chapter seven is going to happen. I won't have my job yet. Um, I am trying to get all my paperwork together for the board. So at least I'll have like documentation, um, you know, when I get to go, but it's like, I'm also almost on one hand, like trying to do my part to help keep the business afloat. Cause I don't know how long it's going to survive in its current form. And I, don't have anything else to go to yet. Have you given any thought to going out on your own? Um, I don't think here I could do that yet. It's just so, so competitive. I mean, we were the last small group left. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else has been bought out. And it's like this group's been around for 40 years. So I just, I don't think that I have, honestly, I don't think I have the bandwidth to do something like this right now. Um, I would love to do my own solo private practice. I think I could definitely do it. I just don't know if I have the bandwidth in life right now to do it. So there are lots of different ways to do it. And I will tell you, um, there, um, and I don't know what it's like in your part of the country, but I do know what it's like in California because I've researched it not too long ago. And there's this, process by which you can become an independent contractor and and uh an orthopedic surgeon here gave me this idea actually because he was leaving to go to Hawaii and he was really concerned about leaving his partners high and dry and he said hey would you want to come here and you could basically be an independent contractor and maintain your own patient list and then but then you could use out the infrastructure of our practice. And then whatever you collect, will take a percentage of whatever you collect to cover that, the cost of that overhead. So it's not like you have to start from scratch. It was just like basically getting transplanted into a, a different practice 
where I would be responsible for my own collections and then just use a percentage of that to cover using the overhead or their infrastructure to, to actually perform the collections. And that's actually what I ended up doing with my current group, which is really simple because I was a partner in that group. And then yeah. stay on with all the same personnel and whatnot. So it was really, really easy. But um, this uh, also, there might be an opportunity to just think outside of the box as well. So for example, if there's a group in town that you really like, but they're mm-hmm. not looking right now, it's like, hey guys, I, I you know I really love your practice model and I love what's going on here and I'd love to work with you. And I understand you're not looking right now to add to your group, but I'm looking to put myself in a in a better position or whatever it is. And what do you think about this? Because there's no sweat off their back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they still get paid to to do the collections and all of that. But um but then they, they don't have any responsibility to you to, to pay you a paycheck. You, you are your own boss as far as your RVUs and stuff and your collections, really not RVUs, but the collections. Does that make sense how I'm describing it? Yeah, no, it actually does. Cause one of my friends um, in another state is doing that. And I do know a surgeon across the street who does that. So that may be an option. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, I do think my patients would follow me. Yeah. Um, I, I can look into it again. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, well, I have enough time before like everything falls apart. I think you would. It's, it's a very fast and easy process. The biggest issue is if you're not staying with your group, it's getting paneled with people's insurance companies, but that's why it's so great going to another group who already has people in place that do that stuff. Right. Um, Might be worth talking to that guy and just pick his brain and say, Hey, how did you do this? How did you make it happen? What worked? What didn't work? And that sort of thing. Just if it sounds like everything that you're saying, you're exhausted. This has been a shit show. We all understand that. But like now it's like, it's damage control time. Yes. Damage control. And so what do you do first? Stop the bleeding, Mm -hmm. right? Stop the bleeding, ensure the airway, blah, blah, blah. I hope that's the correct order of things. Stop the bleeding. (laughs) So for you in your situation, the top priority is getting another employment. Yes. Yes. Which is why, um, like last week I was like, you know what? You've been kind of twiddling your thumbs. You need to be really, really serious now. Yeah. And Um, so, and so then if you prioritize that, then everything else kind of falls to the wayside. And yeah, the surgeon across the street, he only did that for a short period of time. He actually signed for like an actual employment job elsewhere because um, yeah. he was recruited by my group mm-hmm. and he knows that one of the doctors that's leaving in my group and he's like, why are you guys recruiting me if you have no money? Um, and then he wants to know if I want to join where he's going. And apparently it's like an hour away with no traffic and, uh, and like almost in another state. And I was like, well... We might, we might be getting to that point. I mean, it could be a Band-Aid. It could be a Band-Aid. It could right. be or not. But a Band-Aid is better than bleeding out. Right. And um, so... Okay, that's not... I could find out about that. I think it's worth finding out what all your options are. And then, like, for my own group, I wasn't comfortable signing a one-year contract as an independent contractor. So I said, let's just do six months and see how it goes. Let's just see if this works or not. And it turns out that it's for the amount of patients that I see is just not really financially worth it, but we're not talking about like seeing patients one day a month. Like I am. Um, right. 
Um, yeah, because my thing is, is I need to do something until I can take and pass my boards. And then again, I hate this because I just thought that I could finally have my forever home mm-hmm. and not keep floating around because I do feel very, very behind, you know, like my co-residents and co-fellows and stuff who are all partners and like in their forever homes now. But yeah. it's like I just need something until I can pass and then I can figure out what I need to do with my life afterwards. Yeah, this this story has the potential to be downright heroic or it could be a tragedy, <laughs> depending upon how you engage with everything. And I and I don't think you know, I totally understand why you want the forever home, but I'm almost 46 years old and I still don't have my forever home. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. So, I was like, you know, like more now that I'm learning more and more about what you're doing. I'm like, oh, this is so unique. There's like so many ways to do things, you know, oh, when I because I want to be a doctor since I was young. Um, and I always thought that like, oh, I'll just live in the same place and be, you know, the surgeon that like everybody knows after 30 years type thing. And like, you know, just have it really be a nice community. But maybe that's just not as realistic in this day and age anyway. Yeah, I mean, realistic or still possible. I mean, that's not off the table. It's not possible for you to land on your feet in that in that sort of scenario. I think the thing that kills me the most, um, because the area, the very particular part of the city I'm in is very, very competitive um, because there's a lot of doctors in that area. Um, I think the thing that kills me the most about it, (laughs) and we're just contributing to the fatigue, is I have spent so much like time and effort building my name and getting to know people like who do I refer to? Who could refer to me? Um, I have like a good reputation with the ERs with being really responsive when like the old on-call person won't. So it's just, you know, I feel that unless, you know, I do like independent contractor very close by, I just feel like I have done like literally my heart and soul into developing what I'm doing now. And then I'm going to have to so quickly just leave from, you know, circumstances that have nothing to do with me. Yep. That's what, that's where another grief process will come in if it yeah. happens and, yeah. then, and you'll survive and you'll, and you'll be better for it and you'll know how to do it. You'll know exactly what you need to do when you get to your next place. Yeah. I know it's funny is um one of the jobs I've talked to, they're very big. They have their own marketers and I've told them what I've done here to advertise myself. And they're like, Oh no, 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 you don't need to do that. We'll do that for you. And I said, oh, I don't mind doing it. They're like, nah, it's okay. You don't have to. So it's kind of funny where I'm like, oh, I don't mind doing it. That's like how I get to know people around me. They're mm-hmm. like, we'll just take care of it. And I'm like, well, that does sound kind of nice, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It could be like maybe less exhausting. <laughs> I know. I know. And I just keep telling myself, just get through this time. Because I'm usually not tired like this all the time, you know, sleeping mm-hmm. enough hours and then not feeling rested. And I'm like, this is just the circumstance. Well, in other life circumstances on top of it, but if I can just get through it and get somewhere else, then I can sort of go back to being the person I always was. And yes, I love all of that. And just for everybody who listens, because everybody goes through these trials, maybe not to this degree, but you know, trials and how we navigate these things are, it does tell us who we are. Like, this is the real you. This is the real you because this is, you're a fighter and I'm not just trying to be a cheerleader here. I'm just trying to tell the truth about it. There are people who would just like crumble 
under one of the four things that you've been through. Um, and you haven't. And each time you come out like this, it's like an evolution of you and you have these new skills and then you go to the next thing and it's a new evolution of you and you have these new skills. Like this is you, it's building you, which is sort of cool to think about. Yeah. You know, um, obviously with every job experience you have, it makes you more prepared for the next one. And it's like, you know, I was, I always thought I was like good at doing my due diligence and negotiating. And again, here I purposely overlook some stuff just because of how the economy was when I was looking, but now I feel like I'm going to have so many questions for whatever group I end up with next that I'm like, well, they just get exhausted and like not want to hire me. Uh, I doubt it. If you engage with them <laughs> in a way that shows them how sharp you are, they're probably going to yeah. want more. Yeah, one can only hope. So it's like I had this group kind of open the books, but it's like they opened one page and like not the next page, which showed actually they've been in a ton of debt for years and years and years. So lesson to anyone who's listening, you can listen to how much money they bring in and you can figure out the overhead and like how much that costs and how much each doctor pays and their salary. Cause I had all those numbers, but I didn't know that I should ask how much debt they were in. Cause they've been in a ton of debt for a long time. Yeah. So. Okay. So I just want to, I don't know if we've like solved anything, but I think we identified that, you know, it's your choice on what to prioritize at this point in time. And it sounds like prioritizing getting another job. And then what I like to call the low hanging fruit, which are sleep, hydration, and nutrition, uh, just so that your body can be prepared to kind of like continue to function at a high level. Um, and I just want to throw this out there because when we got started here, Sunny Spice and I were the only two on the call and then other people joined afterwards. So I want to just, first of all, ask for any feedback or um, see if anybody else has anything that they wanted coaching on today. Um, because You have solved something and that solved something is why the heck am I only trying to take a Friday and Monday off in August instead of an entire week? Yeah. So thank you. For being like, well, why are you working? Why are you working? Why are you working? Like go take I, your vacation. Because um, yeah. you know, when I was out in May, it certainly was not vacation. So I, mm-hmm. I feel like I actually need, you know, some summer time off. Yeah, I think so. so yeah. So thank you. We solved that. No problem. Okay, Sunny Spice, keep us posted. Um, and then let's see here. I'm gonna go ahead and lower your hand and then see about. We have a couple other people on the call today. Um, If you have something you want to talk about, and if you don't, then I'm going to talk a little bit about my first week with my new company, which was freaking epic. And this just goes to show like how many ways there are to do this job. So I'm going to just wax poetic a little bit unless somebody wants to get coached. So please raise your hand or go into the chat if there's something that comes up, but As you all know, I left my group, private practice group, in last October, became an independent contractor. I started doing some per diem work with Kaiser here in California, and I rapidly, it rapidly became very clear to me that 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 model wasn't really good for me in the way I like to practice. It's just complex. It's a complex system. And now I'm thinking, okay, well, if I have a choice and then I'm on this crusade to only be doing what I want and to not be doing what I don't want, I think those are the two steps 
that are the keys to the most amazing life. I'll repeat them for you. The two steps to get an amazing life are number one, only do what you want. And number two, don't do what you don't want. Um, anyway, so I started getting um, antsy and I ended up signing a contract with this company called Synergy. I think they changed their name now and I don't remember what they're called now, but um, they are a surgicalist company. So they have general surgery, orthopedics, neurosurgery, and they might do ER and anesthesia. So it's not just surgery, but for the most part, it's surgery. And it's a model where they contract with the hospital. It's a physician-owned company, and they contract with the hospitals to supply surgeons to critical access hospitals. And they have a few different types of jobs available. Some are acute care only, some for orthopedics anyway, they'll, they'll have some elective practice associated with it too. But I got an acute care only job, which is ironically something that I dreamed about doing 10 years ago. And um, I went for my first week in this little town up in Northern California that's just absolutely stunningly beautiful. And imagine Virgin River on Netflix with all the trees and everything. It's almost like Santa Fe and Big Bear had a baby and that's the city that popped out because it's kind of artsy and kind of grungy and kind of um, eclectic and um, hippie-like. It's really, really cool. But anyway, I got to be a doctor for the first time. I was on call for seven days in a row and I was seeing things that I never thought I would see and learning things I never thought I would learn. It was such an amazing week. And I did a bunch of cases, a bunch of trauma cases that were fun and challenging and with people and patients who are just so grateful. And it like revitalized me. It, it was so energizing. It's the kind of feeling that you think you're going to have when you become this kind of a doctor. It's like, oh, it's just going to be so fulfilling. But that's not really what happens. We get out into practice and it's like the opposite of fulfilling. It's completely draining. As we just listen to Sunny Spice tell us the next installment. It's like we're we're watching her life unfold chapter by chapter. And it was just a complete joy. Um, I really, really love doing my job away from my home. So this is another thing that I discovered. I never would have known this, that I brought so much stress into my home that it was affecting my husband and my daughter to a degree that I wasn't willing to see. So now that's all totally separate and I can go away and I can have my quiet little apartment that's completely spotless and has no dog hair and do my week of work. And then I can come home back into the grind of our messy family and not be number one, distracted by work, but number two, just angry and resentful for anything really, because it's just nothing's a big deal anymore. Um, I know this type of a job model is not the, is not for everybody and not everybody would want to be away from their family for a week, a month, but I just feel like this is such an amazing and wonderful opportunity and is working out for me really, really well. Um, Anyway, so there are other doctor-owned companies just like that, so they're not the only one, but if anybody is ever looking about or thinking about trying that kind of a practice model, please let me know, and I'd be happy to talk more 
Um, we've had a couple more people join, so I'll just throw it out there again. Um, I'm just kind of blabbing on and on about uh, becoming a surgicalist. And if anybody has anything they want coaching on, or if anybody has questions about what I just talked about, please let me know. I'm happy to talk about it now. Um, one person came on and didn't rename herself, so let me see if I can do that. Okay. All right. How are we doing, guys? Does anybody have anything they want to talk about? You can raise your hand or go into the chat. Bottle rocket. Here we go. Hey, Jessica. Hi. How are you? <clears throat> Good. Um, this is like leftover, leftover from the uh, 4th of July. Yeah, oh, I know. Right. I saw it on there and I was like, oh, I forgot to change it, but <laughs> um, I did find a bunch of uh, uh, fireworks in the garage that we haven't blown off. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I have um, I've have a nurse practitioner I work with um, for about six months, um, and we're coming to a time. It, I she's a new um, APP and she's designated for me and my practice and the program that I work in. And we just haven't got to where she, she's really helping me um, a lot. Um, like there's times uh most of the time she arrives at, to the hospital or the clinic after me, um, doesn't get people rounded on, um, doesn't, uh, take on more responsibility when, when I suggest ways that she could do more things to make herself busy, like setting up a support group for the, this patient population, um, not too interested in it. So now, um, I'm scheduled with my boss, um, in about a week and, and I've shared that these concerns and, and then apparently when I'm out of the office, she'll make comments to the nurses that she's so bored and she, she can't handle this. And, and my thought is, well, if, I mean, I'm giving you options of things, but if this isn't the right job, then please move, move on. Um, have you said that to her? Yes, I have multiple times. And I, I mean, I think it's become a very easy job. Mm -hmm. um, and I know part of it is the fact that if I get frustrated and I'm like, I'll just do it myself. Like there's patients that, you know, I feel like if they go to the ER for a post-operative problem, we need to call them the next day, just check in and make sure they're okay. But she, even though I've asked her to please do that, she does not feel, well, she does not do it um, unless I ask again. And it's just, I, I need this help. But now the, now the administration is coming to me and saying, we don't want her to burn out. Um, and 
she was probably going to be unfulfilled in this position. So I, th- I, I feel like they're going to put it back on me that I'm not giving her enough stuff to do. So let's get some clarity around job expectations and how that was delivered to her. Um, well, I actually, because I had been assigned somebody part-time in the past, I took a very big part in hiring this person. Like I actually reviewed the, the resumes myself and called all of the inner, the people that had applied, which was, I don't know, somewhere between five and 10 mm-hmm. and told them what my expectations were like. For example, on the weekends that I'm on call, I, I want them to come in and help me round um, in the morning. And that usually takes a few hours, you know, but it it's something that it's really hard when we're, as you know, rounding and trying to do add-on surgeries. Um, so I I was very clear about that. And it said that in the job description. But now every time there's a call weekend, she'll start asking, hey, you don't really need me to come in this weekend, do you? And, and I'm, what do you say? I'm like, well, that was part of the job. And she's like, oh, well, I live an hour away. I don't have childcare. I, I'm like, and then, so then I start feeling bad and I'm like, never mind. I can just do it myself, <laughs> which is my you know own what? problem. It just occurred to me that the last time we talked, we were talking about teenagers. Oh, yeah, probably. (laughs) And this woman sounds like the teenager and you're the parent. (laughs) Right. And she's a a professional that I should be able to depend on building her own practice. And yes, it's part of my practice, but... So what would you say if we were watching the way you guys engage with one another, if we were watching that on a screen and you guys were just two characters playing something out, what would we summarize from watching the way you guys engage with one another? Would we summarize that, that the character, that your character was treating this person as a professional? Would we summarize that your character was treating this person as uh, like a uh, can't count on you teenager? Would we, would we summarize that this person was acting like a professional? Or would we summarize that she's acting like a, like what would each of the characters be contributing if we could to describe it? Could you could you like take yourself out of it for a second and just watch two characters on a screen? Sure. Well, I can only control myself and probably you'd see that I um I've asked for things and I've asked for them a couple times and then after a while I just give up. And then I and then I go to administration. And I say, hey, this is the issue. This isn't happening. And so they've actually had multiple meetings with her. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you there at the meetings? Um, for some of them, at some, I mean, I'm not the boss. So I, and I feel like some of this is HR stuff. Like if, 
leaving early, um, missed work because, and, and I totally understand I'm a mom too, that there are times when kids are sick, but it's when it's every time I don't, I don't ever hear that, you know, her partner stayed home with the kids. So back to the question, though, like we've all watched a scene unfold and we can kind of see. For example, have you seen that movie? Um, I can't think of the name of the movie, but it has. Uh, oh, God, you guys, this is not a good time for me to have one of my TIAs. Um, mm-hmm. Steve Carroll, Steve Carell, I guess I'm saying his name wrong. Steve Carell. Yeah. It has Ryan Gosling and it has Julia or Juliet, Julie. She's got red hair and she's super beautiful. Um, And then it has Emma Stone. And the plot of the movie is the Steve Carell and the beautiful. um, I can't think of her name. The beautiful redheaded lady are married and they're, she asked for a divorce and she's admits that she's had an affair. And he, Steve Carell, is just like downtrodden and just feels like he just got his balls knocked up into his throat. And he's sitting in this bar kind of wallowing in his own pity. And in walks Ryan Gosling, who's just this debonair and very powerful, magnetic person who is basically able to get any girl he wants. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? No, because I hardly watch any TV. <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Well, the point of this really terrible example then is you can, like, if we just talk the words out and we say the woman cheated on him and yeah. asked for a divorce, we feel super sorry for any dude who just got cheated on. But then when you look at him in the scene, you see why she cheated on right. him. Because he's young as hell. He doesn't pay attention to her. He doesn't take care of himself. He's like so lame. Like he's just like lame. And not to say that that's an excuse to cheat on somebody, but we can kind of understand it. And you can see what each person is bringing to the situation that kind of like contributes to why things are the way they are. That's what I'm asking you to like describe. Like what are each of you guys bring? Crazy stupid love. Thank you, Smokey. I love that movie. But anyway, it's worth watching for that reason. Because yeah. You see this guy transform because Ryan Gosling essentially becomes this guy's coach and mm-hmm. helps him kind of step into his own. But that's neither here nor there. What I'm trying to offer is, is that imagining characters on a screen is a nice technique to, mm-hmm. uh, to take yourself out of the personalness of it and like not be so like wrapped up in you know, in, in yourself, not saying that you are, but right. usually yeah. are and watch it as if two characters are playing on a screen and just look, what is each person bringing here? It's not just you, it's you and her. Mm-hmm. So what are you each bringing that's contributing to the situation as it is? Yeah, that's a, that's something I should definitely sit down and think about it that way. My guess is, based on your description is, is you have some expectations that were outlined in the beginning verbally and or written, and they have not been enforced. And so now six months in, 
she has no reason to push it. She knows, just like a teenager, she knows she's not going to have to come in on the weekend because you're not going to make her. Yeah, right. And I wonder, too, if she's so bored and so unfulfilled and on the verge of getting burned out, which, by the way, is like a total oxymoron. So I don't know what that's all about Um, with your with your administration suggesting that doesn't make any sense. But like, is there a way that you can salvage this? Number one, would you want to? Mm -hmm. And number two, if you want to salvage it, like how? Right. And I think there's a way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think I need to probably put out the expectations again and say, okay, we've worked together for six months. These are my expectations. And if you, if you're not interested in doing these for whatever reason, or that, or you've decided, found that this isn't your thing, then you, we need to help you find a new position. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that we can come to that kind of a discussion and have it be very disarming and very mm-hmm. um, productive. Not confrontational, yeah. Not confrontational is when we own what we brought. And that's yeah. why it's really important to know what you brought. So yes. I'm imagining something along the lines of, you know, you guys have your meeting set up and right. say, you know, listen, I suspect this job has not been very fulfilling for you. Right. And I know on my side of things, it doesn't seem to be going so well either. And I'd like to take responsibility for what I've, how I've contributed to that, to, to things being mm-hmm. the way they are and list them out. Like, you know, I, I know that we talked about what was going to be expected and you received this in the beginning, but I really have not done anything to enforce anything. And that's created a sense that, or, or you could say, I, I imagine that's created a sense of non-urgency about anything. If there's a not, if there's a sense of non-urgency, of course, she's going to be bored. You know, right. it's like you can say, of course you would be bored. And then it's an opportunity then to say, you know, if, if this is something you really want, if this is a place you really want to be, we have an opportunity here to start over and I'd be happy to do that. But if it isn't, then this is an opportunity for you to move on. And there are absolutely no hard feelings here. And Mm -hmm. talking about the stakes as well is really good is because you guys both have stakes in your lives and understanding what matters to her. Those are her stakes and that will be her currency. Like, obviously it's time with her kids on a Saturday morning mm-hmm. um, and just understanding what her currency is can help you get, get a little bit of traction. If indeed you do want to salvage your relationship with her. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good idea. I like that. And we would be really interested to know how it goes because so many of us have to have these difficult conversations with people. Yeah. Right. It's like all fun and games to plan out how it's going to go down. But what's really fun is to hear how it actually went. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, just either we keep working together or, or it's not working and move on. Exactly. And it's like, um, not personal, right? Like sometimes right. things just don't fit. 
Like mm-hmm. yesterday, I was in the OR all day long and I was wearing dance clothes that are like 12 years old. And I was like, yeah. What the fuck am I doing? My feet are killing me and my back was killing me. I'm like, these shoes don't, they don't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just don't work. So time to get new shoes. It's just that bland. And right. I think shoes, one of the things, one of our pitfalls is like, well, I don't know about you, but for, for sure, one of my pitfalls is making things super personal. Yeah. Not wanting somebody to be mad at me or not wanting somebody to like be talking bad about me behind my back and like wanting people to think well of me. Of course you would want that. I mean, that's what I want. So I'm not saying that that's what that right. bother you, but I think those inhibit us of from course having they do. conversations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I like yeah. it. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, friends, we have about six more minutes. Six more minutes. We can maybe do like a speed round. Um, or we can just end early. It's up to you guys. Okay. Nobody else is raising their hand. Oh, we do. Yay. Bottle rockets back on. Woohoo. <laughs> was that like a, Sorry. Actually, was that I was like a butt to... raise your hand? Yes. I was trying to unraise my hand and then, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no worries. I love that. Okay. All right, guys. I will lower your, oh, she did it. Um, All right. So if there's nothing else, then I guess we'll just end it early. Love you all. And I hope you have a wonderful night and a wonderful weekend. Take care, everybody.